it is 5 a.m. in New York, 12 noon in Johannesburg, and 5 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. I still remember it perfectly. I was upstairs in my house in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso, sitting cross-legged on my bed, and the mosquito net was surrounding me, and I had my phone in my hand. At that moment, it kind of felt like a lifeline because something happened. There was a terrorist attack and suddenly put everything into question whether this was smart to live in Waga. And whether if I did leave, was I ready to pull my children and myself away from my husband indefinitely, or at least till the assignment ended. I've done long distance relationships before with my husband, and I understand that sometimes they suck. (laughs) And I also understand that if you're prepared for it and you've got the right mindset or strategies, you can really make the most of it. So there I was with phone in hand with a lifeline, someone who knew a lot about long distance relationships, someone who was willing to tell me the truth about it and give me some tips along my way. Because sometimes all we need is to reach out to someone who's a few chapters ahead of us on the topic and that can change everything. This episode of Expat Happy Hour kicks off an expert series of some amazing individuals who might be a few chapters ahead of all of us on important topics. Today's topic is long-distance relationships. Upcoming is also about transitions and trauma, having a mindset of preparedness to avoid emergencies or know how to respond when there is one, and even special situations in international schools that can help us raise our children in better ways. So if you're here to get very specific strategies on what works in long distance relationships, I have a surprise for you. This episode focuses on the first step to making a long distance relationship successful, and it has nothing to do with whether you make a Skype call at a fixed time. You'll learn from our guest expert that it has to do with something way bigger and way deeper, and it's very connected to your mindset. It is my absolute pleasure to have on Expat Happy Hour today, Christine Gerber-Root, someone I would consider a guide in my own expat life, and I know a guide for others. So Christine, you are the one who is on the other end of this lifeline. And I welcome you from the bottom of my heart to Expat Happy Hour. Thank you, Sunday. It's glad I'm glad to be here. So I just have chills up my arms right now because Christine and I, you know, she may or may not know this, but she's had an impact in my own journey, my own expat life in so many ways. Um, And I know that she has an impact in others' lives. So let me tell you a little bit about Christine besides this idea of of kind of having paid her dues when it comes to long distance relationships on Christine's website. She says she helps freedom seekers and quirky nonconformists 
dive deep to find speak and create from their heart's truth. I mean, how beautiful is that? Chris, Christine is an intuitive guide, which some people might not know, Christine. So I want you to tell us more about that. But before you do, Christine is also trained as a social worker. She has an emphasis in her background with psychology. Not only that, she's a writer, workshop facilitator. And then she does things like Oracle card readings. And she has this amazing series, um, what's called Sincerely Your Intuition, which is a card deck, which helps you get going in the right direction. I can't think of (laughs) more positive things to say about you, Christine. She's also a writer that's had her work featured in Good Housekeeping in the Middle East, The Telegraph, Time Out, Explore Publishing, and others. So Christine, my heartfelt welcome again to Expat Happy Hour. (laughs) Thank you, Sunday. (laughs) So tell us more about you. I know that you are all about dumping self-judgment and shame and speaking your truth, right? This is at the heart of what you do. But I'm curious, you're here to talk about long-distance relationships and I have a hunch those things are connected. (laughs) And are they ever? I had no idea how connected they were when I first started this whole long distance relationship thing. I've had so I've had four long distance relationships with my husband, boyfriend slash husband later. And right now I'm in the middle of five months into our fourth. Your fourth one. So tell us, how did this all get started? How How did it come to be that your boyfriend and you lived apart and then later you chose to continue that when you got married? Well, he was in the United States where I'm from, and that's where we met first day of college. It was one of those dream stories we met. And I was just like, you know, it was love at first sight, one of those things. And we've been together ever since. So we've been together almost 30 years. So really super long time. And when we, you know, he moved back to Switzerland and I stayed in the States to finish my degree. And that was the first of our separations when we were dating. So that was four and a half years that we were separated at the very beginning. Wow. So he's Swiss, but you met in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're doing the ultimate, you're doing a binational relationship um, to a Swiss German, right? Mm. As an American, but long distance. So kudos to the 30 years. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then what happened? He is now living in the Middle East in Qatar. And so we're now doing almost the tri-country kind of thing because I have the States. I'm in Switzerland, so I'm here as an immigrant. He's there as an expat. So we've just got a whole bunch of of dynamics going on. Um, In the middle, I moved to Germany. Uh, After we were dating for a while, I moved to Germany. I was like, I need to get a little bit closer here. But, you know, Switzerland was a little bit too much commitment. I don't know why. So I went to Germany and I was there for for a year and finished uh, uh, my university degree in Germany. And then I moved to Switzerland. And how long was it until you had kids? Oh, my God. Don't make me do math. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was about five years after it was about five years after we got married that we had children. Okay. And then how much of your children's lives have you done uh, at a distance? So for them, it will have been three separations at a distance. So it was three months was the first one and they were really young then. And then it was one and a half years was the second one. And now again, this one, which is five months in. Yeah, that's hard. I know when, um, 
when we were going between Burkina Faso, Switzerland, and South Africa, there was a moment when we I was in South Africa and my husband was leaving back to Burkina Faso and my youngest was in the driveway um, as we were saying goodbye and the driver was driving off with my husband. And my son did one of those things where the child cries and their mouth is open, but they're not making any sound yet. <laughs> Right. You're just waiting for them to inhale and actually hear their cry. And I was just like, I wanted in that moment, I wanted every single head of global mobility or HR director or line manager, right. To see that scene, to watch the impact that, um, that distance can have on young children. Um, because I don't know if everybody gets, you know, how, how hard that can be when, when your kids have to adjust to the you sort of fly in, fly out context. Absolutely. Psychologists were my best friend when, when we moved <laughs> back to Switzerland. He stayed in Qatar. Yeah. So we had lived in Qatar all together for five years. And we left, I left with the children then. It was uh, for various reasons. And psychologists really were my best friends. And luckily, they had really, really great ones here. And the other thing I but learned... But for you or for your kids? Do you mind? Oh, God, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. because you can't deny the psychological, emotional impact that the separation has. We were also dealing with the trauma of reentry, as mm -hmm. many of your listeners will probably know, um, or eventually will know, is, is really much more challenging than actually going to another country in my in my experience whole right. other topic there someday um, right but it right, because really you're, you're like me even like switzerland is your second home exactly. like it's not your it's not your birth country but it's home home exactly. so you're going back home but you're still an auslanded right yeah. like how does that work exactly oh. so what made you say yes to this you know some people when some people think about a long distance relationship um, whether it's temporary or more long-term, some people decide no, and some people say yes. Why did you say yes to this? I make absolutely, there's, there's two parts here. The first part is I make every decision um, with my intuition. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've done that for so long, and I've worked with it so long, and I know the language of my intuition so well that I can, I can really quickly tell if I'm a yes or I'm a no. And my husband has as well. So we really made the decision to, for each of these moves, really within, you know, minutes. It was very, very quick. The second one is really a mindset um, way of looking at the world is I just have this growth mindset. And I found this really super helpful, especially with making the decision and helping other people make decisions. Like it's kind of like, if you look at life as school, like a, and, and you're learn, there to learn something. You're there to grow. And if you're looking at a long distance relationship specifically, because that's what we're talking about, we're talking about this basically the school of long distance relationships. And in the school of long distance relationships, there's going to be classes you're going to have to take. These classes are going to be your everyday life, right? And it's kind of a question of like, do I actually want to go to this school? Do I really want to take these classes? Because I'm going to tell you, the teachers are really hard. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, right. the biggest classes you're going to have when you go into this school of long distance relationship is one, your communication is really mm -hmm. going to have to up the standards. Like yep. I, my husband and I are phenomenal communicators. We always have mm -hmm. been. Um, mm -hmm. 
but this just has, you know, you, you have, it just pushes you into a whole other sphere. And of course, the second one is largely related to the first one, and that's trust. Mm-hmm. And that's in yourself and in the other person. Mm-hmm. That you can right. actually have phenomenal coping skills. Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out. You can do this. And if you can't, mm-hmm. you have to say it, which of course goes back to the first one. Right. So it's looping back. I kind of am seeing like a circle, like the recycling circle, how it Absolutely. goes in, you know, the triangle. I'm kind of seeing that together. Absolutely. Uh, oh, man. So I'm thinking also, you know, one of the hard classes is co-parenting mm. at a distance. And I remember there was this, a time where um, I was in a temporary apartment in Switzerland. We just landed and uh, I was having a kind of a conflict with one of my boys and I had my cell phone in my right hand and I pushed it in my son's like face so we could see the screen and I'm like talk to your father (laughs) I was like this is so ridiculous you know like I basically had a little tripod and my phone that was his father at the moment um because I wanted him to know that he and I were on the same page so it's not just mom saying this is not okay it's also dad it just sounds like some kind of kind of science fiction movie or something (laughs) Totally, totally. You know, we found a way to like, but to create presence. And so this is some of the things I want to go. I want to go the pragmatic side, but I also want to go to some of the the side that I know that you have the most to offer on. Um, But when people are, when people are thinking about the long distance relationship, what I'm hearing you say is, are you willing to go to these classes? Like, do you have capacity? Are you ready to grow? That's like the first question I'm hearing that people should ask themselves when they're deciding yes or no. Yes. The other question I think that's really vital when we're talking about your relationship with your partner is, ah, is do you actually like each other? (laughs) Wow. I did not expect that. Yep. If your relationship is on the rocks, mm-hmm. if you are not able to communicate now, if you're struggling with your relationship, long distance, not necessarily, but long distance relationships makes it more difficult to communicate. You have to put more effort into the communication. And if you're already struggling at that, it can be more difficult. So mm-hmm. what we know about growth and all of this is that when you're under, when you're in a period of stress, that's often when you grow. You know how this is with the muscles. You strain your right. muscles, you, you know, work your muscles so they grow. It's the same thing with anything. You create stress will create growth. But with relationships, the stress will also create, uh, will cause weak, weak links to break. If you've got a weak link and you're not willing to strengthen it, it's going to break. Mm -hmm. So there has to be that word of caution. Right. Because this idea of absence makes the heart grow fonder is actually a total fallacy when it comes to that. Well, Esther Peril. Oh, my God. I've just recently read her book, um, Mating in Captivity. She has, I highly recommend this to anyone who is looking at relationships because she has shown that studies, studies are showing 
let me find my words, studies are showing that there has to be a balance between distance and intimacy. Mm-hmm. So distance can make the heart grow fonder, but only to a certain length of distance and a certain time. Mm-hmm. So actually, it is, it's, it's actually wonderful news for long distance relationships, because having some distance will cause a little bit of a longing, because you desire what you don't have, of course. Mm-hmm. So it can actually, in, in some cases, increase your desire for your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's the balance piece. You can't, you can't go one way or the other. It's just like the same thing. You don't actually, okay, maybe some people do, I don't know, but I don't actually want to be with my partner 24 hours a day, all day, all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that causes problems as well. So it's about finding this balance between the two and for each individual couple and each individual person, it will be different. The challenge is, is what I can do compatible with what my partner can do mm-hmm. right. and finding where it meets. Right. So when you think about, so we've kind of looked at what, whether or not someone, someone should say yes to a long distance relationship. What about people who are already in them and want to either make it better or are struggling? What advice do you have for those who are already in it? If you are in a long distance relationship, the the number one thing that has helped me by far is probably not what everyone else is saying. It has absolutely been seeing this as, as a second chance to rediscover myself. It's mm. not focusing on the relationship, actually. I'm not mm. saying ignore the relationship. Please don't misunderstand. Yep. But this has been by far a second chance to rediscover who I am outside of a partnership, especially because I've been in a partnership for like almost 30 years. And it's so easy to get kind of muffled under that blanket of daily routine that, you know, long dis- long-term things kind of get under. And it's like that is lifted. And it's this marvelous chance to like rediscover who am I? Because you, the only way you're actually in a partnership with someone is if you are actually there. Otherwise, it's right. actually you're having a partnership with someone else, which is just ridiculous. So here's the scary part, right? You have on your website, um, more than anything, I seek freedom from who I was to be who I am now and speak my truth out loud. Yeah. But here's the thing. The person who married you married who you were. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Dilemma. So what happens when you're growing like crazy and you are, you know, rediscovering who you are and everything's changing and they are in another country and they're not seeing the day to day. It's kind of like when you go back and you visit your parents and you're like, whoa, they've aged because you haven't seen the micro changes every day, but six months or a year goes by and you really notice it. How do you navigate that? Because I know with long distance relationship myself, there's always this awkwardness, like in the airport or wherever you see each other first after a, a break. You're like, we're supposed to be super intimate and close, but like, who are you, dude? You know, <laughs> it's like that weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that weird thing where you're like, oh, there you are in 3D in front of me. 
Yeah, I have my my husband and I are fortunate that we both have the same view of a healthy relationship. And that is that we prioritize each other's growth and each other's truth over our relationship. Wow, say that again. <laughs> we prioritize each other's growth and each other's mm-hmm. truth over our relationship. Yeah. I am not interested in being in a relationship with someone who cannot be themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not interested in being in a relationship if I am not able to be myself. And we're all changing and we're all growing. And it's a matter of saying, this is who I am. Where and how are we compatible? Where does that meet? Where we are now? Mm-hmm. And my husband and I have made some massive, massive changes in our 30 years of being together. When we first met, I mean, I was 18. Yeah. And we were both in actually really conservative Christian environments. Mm-hmm. And we have now completely come out of that. Like, like we're, we're just completely different people. And yeah, I can't even, I cannot imagine you as a conservative Christian based on how I know you now, right? Sunday, like that's so interesting. <laughs> my, my father's family, most people don't know this, but my father's family, just to give you an idea of how this transition and change is possible, and it's still able to stay together with your partner. My father's family is Blackbone for Mennonite. This is like the Amish with like electricity. That's how <laughs> conservative I, I come from. Yeah. So massive changes are possible, but it's always been this. I require my partner to, to be himself as much as I require myself to be myself. And then we look to see where we are compatible. And sometimes I admit it is a question of not, um, we have to get away from sometimes the question of if we are compatible mm-hmm. when it gets really rough. Yeah. And go into where you don't know right. this, but when you were sitting there under your mosquito net and I was talking to you all of those years ago about long distance relationships, I was sitting in Spain and I was mm. under a blanket and I was huddled in a space heater and I was actually escaping my husband. <laughs> oh my he had just returned to Switzerland from Qatar. He had just moved mm. back home about a month and a half previously. We had the, People don't talk. I mean, you mentioned this, like, who are you at the airport, right? Well, Mm -hmm. they move back in and you're like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He was having his reentry, his, you know, transition back into Switzerland, and he was not doing well with it at all. And I was transitioning. We were transitioning to being back in the same place. We were all miserable. Him and I were having the worst fights of our life. And I was just like, you know what? I'm out of here. (laughs) I just like, I ran away. I ran to a friend that was living in Spain. I went and stayed with her for a few weeks. Mm. And because we're able to communicate long distance really, really well, we were able to pick up the communication over the distance. Wow. And so it, it can be to your advantage and it can be to your disadvantage to be apart. But the point was we were always seeking to find our own personal truth and how we can live in our own personal truth together. That's that's big, right? Mm, that's mm-hmm. really big. I love this idea of where are we compatible? Um, that's an important question. And it, I think what it does is it, it gets you away yeah. from um, that negativity spiral, 
um, how you're like, well, we, we don't like the same movies and he doesn't want to go dancing. And you know how you can kind of like start focusing on that. Um, but instead you could look at, um, what you have in common. So this is what I'm going to be really direct here. You know, this idea of growth, there are couples that I work with. I work with only one of the two and one person is super focused on growth and is changing and moving. And the other person is caught in like a forward wheel, you know, just focusing on work and, and the day to day. Right. So one person is kind of on this sort of soul, soul searching, you know, growth place. And the other person is just like trying to pay the bills and keep the kids in school. Mm. So they're, they're, they're really on different tracks and I'm not saying one is better than the other. They're just living on different radio frequencies, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest about couples like that who are doing that long distance? Well, I've been in that situation <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like I've been in every situation. And honestly, Sunday, it keeps coming back to what is the truth of who you are? Mm-hmm. And what is the truth? What is the, your partner's truth? Mm-hmm. You don't have to convince them of anything. You're not superior to them. This is one of the big, big pitfalls of people who are on the growth trajectory, right? They, there's, it's Mm -hmm. often unconscious, but it's, it's kind of like this growth is more superior to working. Well, the other person's path is their path and that's what they need to do. So there's no need to force them, but here's where I find, um, working with archetypes really, really helpful where you can you can start to see which archetypes are present in what is happening around you. So a lot of archetypes that are common in a long-distance relationship are the victim archetype, right? So, so I need to stop for a second because before I knew you, I didn't know what an archetype was. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I forget. Well, for people, people don't speak my right? language. <laughs> yeah. Speak my language. And I, I am like a nerdy scientist and I want evidence and stuff. And um, I have, you and I have had conversations about archetypes and it's actually shifted energy in my business and, um, and how I approach things, right? So I am I am kind of someone who's on board with it. Can you give us in the plainest terms, what is an archetype? So an archetype, you see these in 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 stories a lot. Um, but uh, the I'm trying to think of how to do this in really succinct language. It's not what I'm known for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so for then example, if you, you have if you are if you are in a story and you're the damsel in distress, right? Who is mm-hmm. going to come mm-hmm. get you? The knight. Right. The knight is an archetype. So you can picture the knight. The knight has a specific energy uh, pattern. So archetypes are energy patterns, right? So if mm-hmm. you expect that energy, that knight, to do specific things. The knight is going to rescue anyone in distress. That's what they do. You don't want, for example, the hermit to come and rescue you or the scholar or that you know so it's it's like you you can you can kind of guess what the energy you can see what the energy is based on the word that's used so a damsel a hermit a martyr a mediator a monk a slave a victim an addict your inner child 
these and this types is where your types. background in psychology really comes like yeah. patterns that this we're introducing. All, yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's another language for patterns that we see over and over again you said it so much better than i did <laughs> <laughs> But I love it. So keep going. It's you said. It's, so here's the thing, though. Um, what if you were a damsel in distress, and you grow, and you no longer you want to be your own knight in shining armor? Yeah. So I mean, self reliance is a huge thing that we learn in long distance relationships mm-hmm. because you can't, you know, call up your partner all the time and and ask them to help you out with stuff. So often that damsel in distress will be asked to step up and become the empress. Mm-hmm. And the empress doesn't want the knight. The empress wants the king. Mm-hmm. It's your partner's decision whether or not he wants to step up and be a king or not. So this is what I love about this conversation. You know, I didn't know where this would go between you and I. I probably have a hunch we would get here somewhere. But most people who are listening probably clicked on this podcast to learn strategies, you know, like schedule times um, at dinner to have your partner join family meals, you know, via Skype, or I don't know. um, One other tip would be, you know, leave room in your closet for your partner to put their clothes in the closet so they feel like they belong in the house when they are back, right? These are really pragmatic strategies um, that when you're in a long distance relationship, they can help. And what we've done is we've completely leapfrogged over all of those logistics and sort of um, practical strategies and went way deep, way, way deep to the like, which is, which is a, which is great. Like get really clear on how are you showing up for you and how do you want to respond in this situation? Yeah, I think that probably the most helpful mindset is really of any decision you're going to make. It's all going to be individual. When you're looking at the logistics and just making decisions with that, how often are you going to talk uh, and all of these things, it's where is that decision coming from? A lot mm-hmm. of people talk about this about your why. Um, I can talk about it in what archetype is making this decision or what part of you is making this decision or what need is trying to be met when you're making this decision. These are all language for the exact same thing of why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you wanting to talk to your partner? Um, and how often does that then have to happen? So mm-hmm. it has to come in my, in my opinion, it makes most sense. And it's to your advantage. If you make these decisions, these very pragmatic decisions, understanding the bigger picture. And I would suggest slash strongly (laughs) encourage that you make your decisions from a place of love and not fear. Now we're going Mm -hmm. really big picture here. Yeah. And that you make your decisions from a place of integrity. Mm -hmm. And that piece I cannot emphasize. I want to like splash paint all over it is Mm -hmm. so important. Can you say more about that? There's something, you've got a few scenarios in your head where you know examples of when it's out of alignment with with integrity or from a place of fear. Can you give us an example? Uh, I can give you one from yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yesterday. It was, we were supposed to talk. So we have a schedule. So we're getting the pragmatic. We have a schedule. We talk um, every day. We have dinner together. I set up the tripod, he, you know, he, he's got his own little spot at the table and we sit there and we have dinner together. 
And yesterday I wasn't feeling well. And I could have gone into should. So as soon as mm-hmm. you're think, saying that you should do something, it's a, it's a flag right. to say, am I being in integrity? Yeah. So I was just like, actually, I don't want to. I don't want to cook. I don't want to talk to him. I just really, what I really want on the inside is, is I just need time for myself. Mm-hmm. So I can communicate that. And here's another thing about the communication. We're getting to the pragmatic, like practical side is be clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Be clear with yourself so you can be clear with your partner. Mm-hmm. So you can then decide together, where do we go from here? Where does this fit? Right. So I could say, I really would rather not talk tonight. I am wiped out. I just need time for myself. Do you need to talk? Is that a need that you have? Mm-hmm. And he could say, I'm, I'm good. Or I can just talk to the kids or whatever. It's kind of like, this is what I need. What do you need? Where does it meet? Again and again. This is all of life. Yeah, totally. Totally. But we're so we're so stuck in codependent relationships, which is a whole another language and a whole another topic. But this idea of I have to give you what you need before I give myself what I need, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't. That work. is pretty much every single woman I know who wants to meet the needs of their kids and their partner yeah. and the organization or whatever first before they even think about that they dare even think about meeting their own needs. Well, you can do that, but just like a battery that's eventually, you know, going to go dead if you don't charge it. Right. Yep. Yep. It's it's really the same. Exactly. So what what I'm loving, what I'm hearing here is let's hold the logistics for a moment. Let's get really clear on, you know, if you're in a long distance relationship, refocus. What do you need? What do you want? Where do you want, how do you want to show up for yourself that's in alignment with integrity, that is in alignment with what feels true to you, right? And that is from a place of love and not fear. Like those are really big and deep places to stand in. And this is so important to do it on all levels. You do it with yourself first and Mm -hmm. you do it with your partner and you also need to do, and this is something most people don't talk about. You also need to do it with your community, your support system, your friends and your families. And a sentence that I found really helpful for communicating this to other people is based on my current situation, Mm. right? Because this is going back to, it's kind of like this reboot. It's like a relationship reboot on all levels with yourself, with your partner, with people around you. This is your chance to get away from codependent patterns. This is your chance to get back to who you are, to get back to your truth. Based on my current situation, I'm available for dinner tonight. Based on my current uh, situation, I'm not going to be able to go dancing. Based Mm -hmm. on my current situation, I can't work later than five o'clock because I have to be home for my kids. Based on my current situation, I don't want you in my life. You know, it, it's I, I've had to break up with friends who insisted on on treating me as as the victim in this situation of being a, a long distance relationship. Where it's like, oh, you poor thing. Do you need help? Are you okay? And I was like, after a long time, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm not available for that. Yeah, yeah. and they weren't able to shift. So I was like, I, I based on my current situation, I don't have time for this. 
Right. They were in savior mode and you were like, no, thanks. I got it. (laughs) I love that. I love that idea about the community. I know for me, it it wasn't even probably conscious. I think it was pure survival strategy. When I was uh, solo parenting in Switzerland and running my company while my husband was still in Burkina Faso, I was, I was so, I mean, I was exhausted doing all of the things all of the time. Right. And there were times when my friends would connect and I would say it very similar, like, here's what I can do. Like, if you want to connect, can you please come to me? Because I can't extend mm-hmm. right now, you know, like being really clear. I love that based on my current situation. That's a great It idea. really keeps coming back to this idea of this is my truth. I, mm-hmm. I can't come to you, but I would love to see you. Right. What's your so, truth? Let's, where right? does it meet? So here's what's happening in me when I hear this truth business, like, I love that. Right. And it kind of scares me because, (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, my truth and then how does that fit in then to the needs of my children or my partner or my parents or my sister or, 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 right. Like when does my truth become selfish? When do I need to compromise. I'm being provocative here, right? Like Uh when do I have to compromise my truth so that I can consider others truths, right? So it gets messy. Tell me how I untangle that. Oh, I think it's very clear. (laughs) It gets messy because we make it messy. Your truth is your truth. Mm -hmm. Someone else's truth. What if no one likes it? But (laughs) The truth is actually only the truth when it's, this is a new understanding for me, so I might not get the words exactly right, Mm -hmm. and it might change tomorrow, but at the moment, my understanding is, and that, by the way, is a really great example of telling your truth. Mm -hmm. At the moment, my understanding of this situation is I'm willing for it to change. Right. Right Right now, it's this. Right now, my understanding is that truth is kind of the sword of love. So if it's coming from love, truth only comes from love, not from fear. Our Mm. natural state is not fear. Our natural state is actually love. And truth comes from that. It's it's connected to that. So anytime you're worried, and it's also understanding that I I am phenomenally capable as are the other people. We are phenomenally capable of getting our needs met in love, not in fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am capable of it. Other people are capable. I am not the only person that can meet the need of this other person. Now, when it comes to children who are, are dependents of us, I believe that shifts a lot. So, I am willing to do much more for my children than I am for my husband. He's Mm -hmm. an adult. He can take care of himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? That's big. So, it's the reason I believe people are afraid to speak their truth is because they're afraid of the consequences. It's fear that steps in. It's the fear that they will no longer be loved. It's the fear they will no longer be accepted. It's the fear that they will be alone. Yeah, but but what if then they're not loved and they're not accepted and then they are alone? The truth is that if you are not showing your truth, do you actually feel loved and accepted anyway? Right, 
Right. What is that expression? I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. I have yet to meet one single person who has really embraced the concept of expressing their truth out loud, their soul's joy from, from their, from their love truth, their soul truth, not their ego truth. There's a massive Mm -hmm. difference. Right. I'm not talking about ego truth. I'm talking about your soul truth, your deep truth, that like, that like, mm, you know, kind mm-hmm. of truth, right? I'm talking about the red that velvet truth. cake truth. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like that. You want to just eat that cake kind of truth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. that truth. I have yet to meet a single person who has expressed that truth in love Mm-hmm. And with clarity and with no judgment of themselves or of others, with no shame for them to not have had to say some painful goodbyes to people in their yeah. life. Yeah. But that has led the way to the most beautiful hellos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't I, have both. To- yeah, exactly. And I've seen that. I mean, I've wa- I watched that happen in my clients' lives and my friends' lives. I mean, you see that all around you. Yes. It's there's a fiery middle in between there between. <laughs> but yes. like you said, on the other side, on the other side is is um is something beautiful. So it's really holding holding out your hands um with trust and surrender saying this is going to this is going to be okay, right? It's trusting yourself that you can handle it. It's trusting your partner that you can handle it. But again, I really I really want to come back to this point of where are we compatible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where and, and not with your partner, with everyone. And sometimes you find out that you're most compatible when you're not together. And sometimes yeah. you find out we're actually most compatible when we are together, right? right so right. that's the logistics thing, you know? But mm-hmm. in the end, the overcompassing thing of all of this, I mean, this conversation really didn't go where either of us thought it would. Right. But really the biggest thing is how can you stay in your love center? Mm-hmm. How can you stay aligned with that? How can you get that inner integrity aligned with the outer world? And this, of course, does come up with the logistics. And, mm-hmm. and this comes up with the things like make sure you talk. Make sure you create new experiences with your partner when you're apart. Make sure that you create ex- new experiences for yourself when you're apart. Make sure that you create, make sure you create community around you to support you. Um, make sure you get help with the daily things. All of these things are the, the logistics that you'll figure out once you are steeped in that love center. It's kind of like just, you know, like for me, it's red velvet cake. Yep. For me, red velvet cake is the embodiment of love. Like if I feel like I'm off, I just think of if I was swimming in a pool of red velvet cake now, what would I do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Or how can I make this, this decision that feels like red velvet cake? Yeah. Yep. So what I've just noted here is one, what you're basically saying is do your best to make your decisions and choices from a place of love, not fear. Mm -hmm. And ironically, that's a really hard thing to do because we are taught to fear. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing that you mentioned, what I couldn't help but think while you're talking about like work on your communication, create new experiences, um, for, for your part, you know, as a partner and for yourself, get, you know, be there with your community, get support, et cetera. 
all of that applies to people who are just living normal, busy lives, right? Absolutely. So it's that that has to be amplified when you're apart. But those are the things that make um, relationships successful um, when we're navigating all the complexities of expat life, of working full time, of parenting, of just being human, uh, adulting, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at our time here, and um, I know that we have to go soon, but I. I just love where our conversation has gone. And one thing I just want to say to the listeners is if you hopped on this podcast thinking you would get the tips and strategies and are now at the end and are waiting for more, I really want to reemphasize what Christine mentioned of start from that place of connecting with yourself and what you really want, what your needs are and what would feel like love for you. And then the logistics are going to be easy, right? You're going to make way better decisions. Plus, there are so many expat communities where you can quick pop on and get like those logistic tips. Um, The thing that can't happen is someone else can't do the work for you to get clear on um, where you're coming from. Right. So I think that was really valuable, Christine. I just want to do a shout out. You can tell with Christine, um, she's got a ton of pragmatic experience and advice, but all of it is deeply, deeply supported by the work that she does um, from her background in psychology, social work, her life abroad, and um, this nurturing of her intuition through her work with herself and her clients. So I just want to give a shout out to Christine. If you want to learn more about her, you can find out more um, at her website, christinegerberroot.com. That will be in the show notes. What I love watching you do in Basel, Switzerland is to do your monthly soul and coffee mm. um, deck draw. That's great. So follow her on social media. She's also on Instagram at Christine Gerberroot. Um, I have worked with Christine. If you're if you're like me who didn't know what an archetype was, I guarantee you um, by the time you're done working with Christine, you will see things in a whole new way and it will shift things that you weren't expecting. So I just want to say thank you, Christine, um, for sharing your perspective with everybody today and for the ways that you continue to touch my life and business. Thanks, Sante. Yeah. Any last words that you want to pass on to our people before we close today? You got this. <laughs> yes, That's right. That's right. Yeah. So let's hold on to love today and let go of fear when we're thinking about long distance relationships and deciding what makes for you, knowing that when you're really clear on what feels true to you, that will be coming from a place of love for those that you touch. So there you have it. That might have surprised you how deep we went, how connected all of this got to our core values, to our truth, to our integrity, to discovering more about what we want. Maybe you're expecting something different. But as you can see from our guest expert, this is exactly where you need to start so that you can decide which tactics and which strategies will work for you. So stay tuned for part two when Christine Gerber and I also talk about the very pragmatic side. Once you know what your 
going from in terms of what you really want, then what are the very practical things you can do to make it happen? So thank you for listening, everyone, today from Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean. I will leave you with this anonymous quote. Being apart teaches us how to be together. Ha, ha, ha.